What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer, and you're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter to my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart, we're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about salvation and obedience, or maybe obedience. Uh, we'll, we'll title it later, but I'm glad you're here. Good to see you, John Exum. We got folks rolling in. Be sure and be the algorithm for us. Look at on the screen this particular platform right here where you can find all kinds of articles. Just subscribe. It's totally free. There are articles behind a paywall for our supporting members. Thank you so much for that. That's just a way we show you our appreciation. Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, TuneIn Radio for the archive. Uh, subscribe there. And then everything here is where you can get different kinds of content. We would love for you to follow this platform right there. And uh, it's Understanding the Times. Understanding the Times is how you find us there. But these others, you know what to do. And uh, be sure and share it and invite your friends. Good morning, Missy Malone, Terry, Terry Crooks. I, got, I had to look at you through my bifocals there. And uh, Diana Harden, good to see everybody. Folks, this episode is going to be pouring cement into your foundation if you're already a fundamentalist student of the Bible. I don't think anybody that, that is just a fundamentalist student of the Bible who desires to speak where the Bible speaks be silent where the Bible's silent, do Bible things in Bible ways, and call Bible things by Bible names, will we'll, we'll learn anything new during this podcast. It will only reinforce your already strong foundation. And that's really, really good. I think of what Paul told Timothy, that about certain things, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you'll be a good minister. Well, I want to be a good podcaster, so there are times where I just come up with these podcasts that it's just stuff you already know, but that's good. Now, if you're watching this and you believe that all you have to do in order to obey the gospel, in order to uh, be right in the eyes of God, is to simply believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you're saved, uh, this is for you. This will be new information that you might not have ever considered, and we pray that you consider it. And even if you disagree, keep coming back to the well here. Let's talk about things. Uh, don't be vitriolic. I mean, listen, I promise you, we're not teaching a works salvation. If you think, and this goes for anybody, anywhere, if you think you can be good enough to get into heaven, you're dead wrong. If you think you can earn heaven, you're dead wrong. It cannot be earned. The illustration that's worn out, but it's well-worn because it's an apt illustration, is as sinners in the world, we are treading water and we are losing the ability to stay afloat. And as we are sinking, God comes along and throws us a lifeline. And he says, here is your gift of salvation. Reach out and take it by virtue of the fact that you had to do something in order to obtain the salvation that was freely given 
does not negate the fact that it was a gift, that you did not earn it. There was nothing you could do to foment it. You, you did have to play a part in accepting it, but you had to trust in that finished work and reach out and grab it. And so many of people in Christendom say, well, you just have to trust in the finished work of the cross. If you say that you have to do anything, then you're teaching a work salvation. I promise we are not. Promise we are not. Um, is the working of God, as Paul states in Colossians, Colossians 2.12, that's it. Now, we're so thankful to our sponsor for cogitations, Dotson at gmail.com. We hope that you would go and check her out, send her a message. Um, there we go. Contact Lindsay, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. Are you part of a congregation seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Well, look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisement advertisements for churches. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate with far and wide. Contact Lindsay Faye Dotson today and she will do a much better job of your flyer or postcard or social media graphic than I did on this ad read. All right. And incidentally, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, send us a message and we'll tell you how much that cost. Um, we would love to sponsor the show for you. And there's, there's programs where we can do that. All right. We would love to sponsor the show for you. I don't know if you want us doing anything as bad as I'm talking today. We would love for you to sponsor a show. And uh, yeah, that's all we got here. Let me get back to the chat. Let me go back. Hold on a second. I'm a one-man show. Um, actually, I'm going to put this up for a while. Um, I'm only doing this because I was asked to. Nearchurches at gmail.com is a tip jar. It goes to PayPal. If you want to donate to the show, you can do it there. Or you can do buy me a coffee www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash Christianity now. All right, I'm going to leave that up for a minute and uh, let's get right into um, let's get right into the podcast. Of course, I have an article. Now, this article that, that I'm going to read today and use for the show is going to be um, it's actually behind a paywall. Uh, you have a teaser, but I'm going to give it to you today and, and you can listen to it. And if you like and if you think you might want to have access to the podcast, uh, the articles that I do for some of these podcasts that are behind a paywall, I mean, you're looking at $50 a year or $5 a month. So salvation through obedience and grace, a balanced perspective. You know, the doctrine of salvation has often been at the center of theological debates. Many wonder how salvation through obedience, as described in various New Testament passages, can coexist with the notion of salvation by grace through faith. Of course, you know, that's Ephesians 2, 8 and following. This podcast and article claims to provide an examination of some key biblical texts that discuss salvation through obedience while also demonstrating how they are in harmony with the doctrine of salvation by grace. Remember, folks, there are absolutely no Bible contradictions. 
November 28th, Eric Lyons from Apologetics Press is going to be on the show on Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, and we're going to talk about supposed Bible contradictions. He quite literally wrote the book on Bible contradictions, and I would love for everybody to attend and, and bring your questions. We're not going to be able to get to all of them, but we have some listeners that, that have been harmed in the past because they think that they're Bible contradictions. And every time they bring some up, they're so easily, I mean, within a sentence or two, debunked. And I can't wait to have Eric Lyons on the show with me and Aaron Dotson. And uh, we're going to talk about these things. So, so the Bible doesn't contradict. Obedience, in a sense, saves me. And in a sense, grace saves me. Just like in a sense, I'm saved by grace through faith. And in a sense, baptism saves me. So just think about that. In fact, baptism saves me the same way that the flood, that the water saved Noah and his family from the flood, 1 Peter chapter 3. So let's talk about salvation through obedience. John Exum, that's a, you're exactly right. In fact, I would love for everybody to go check that out. Uh, and Jesus called belief a work, John 6, 28, 29. You know, I may do a short podcast on, on that verse alone because that's very interesting. It's very interesting when you think about the context, the sociopolitical climate, what was going on in the day, the transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. I mean, they were in a season of turmoil and change as far as uh, religion was concerned. And it's very interesting exactly what Jesus meant when he says the, the work you need to do is believe. Anyway, I, John, I, I, let me get back to the podcast. Good, good comment. Thank you for that. Thank you for that reference. Now, Hebrews 5, 8, and 9. Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9 underscores that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Christ's obedience makes the foundation for salvation. While our obedience serves to activate the foundation in our lives, our ability to obey is effective only because it is rooted in Christ's initial act of obedience. In this way, Christ's obedience makes salvation possible and our obedience makes it actual for us. It's not a matter of either or, but a unified process where Christ's salvation, Christ's grace rather, and our obedience work in concert to achieve the state of eternal salvation. All right. And I remember whenever I was editing this article and I put this together, um, I actually wrote in such a way that it looks like we were saved not by our own obedience, but by the obedience of Christ. So I had to explain it a little bit more. You know, there's a sense where we're not saved by our obedience. We're saved by Christ's obedience because what we do is absolutely worthless without what he did. Think about baptism. First Peter chapter three, verse 21, right after the Noah and his family, eight souls were saved from the flood by water. Well, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
we could all live in the ocean and be baptized 27 to 40 times a day. It's just washing away dirt from the flesh. We want the symbolism behind the act that washes away sin from the soul. Go to Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And I said, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So, Jesus is obedience, and we mirror Jesus' obedience with our own, and in concert, salvation is achieved. We attain salvation because of the promise of God. Mark 16, 15, 16, baptism and belief. And you might be thinking, well, Tony, that's such an old, worn out. Yeah, the reason it's old and worn out is because it's effective. I don't know if this is true or if this is allegory. But I've heard Garland Elkins was in a debate. And he got up to the debate stage and he quoted, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And he sat down. And the Baptist pastor got up and waxed eloquent for the whole amount of his time. And Garland Elkins got right back up and said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned, and set back down. And the Baptist pastor got back up and said, Well, is that all you're going to do? And Brother Elkins, and again, I don't know if this is true or if this is allegorical. I don't care. It's effective, the illustration. Um, Brother Elkins gets back up and says, whenever you deal with this verse and answer this verse, we'll go to another one. Folks, don't, don't eschew arguments just because they're simple. There's a reason things are cliche. All right? So, Mark 16, 15, and 16. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. What, what, what more do you want? Baptism and belief are mentioned together, suggesting that baptism is an act of obedience that works in tandem with one's faith or belief. Somebody help me out. You know? All right. First Peter three twenty one. You, I've I've touched this. Peter writes, "The light figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ." Here, baptism is described as an act of obedience that serves as an answer of a good conscience toward God, regardless of any deeper exegesis. One cannot be both saved and have an answer of a good conscience towards God. So if you haven't been baptized, you don't have a good conscience is the necessary inference from what the text implies. Again, I, I've, I've put out a lot of context, a lot of content about the context of first Peter three twenty one and how, if we just use it as a proof text for baptism, we cheapen it. But, that doesn't negate the fact that it is a proof text for the necessity of baptism. Again, it's a, it's a, it's an act of obedience without which one cannot be in God's good graces. 
And some deny the genuineness of Mark 16, 9 through 20, even in the church. Yeah, so um, Jonathan, you may know this guy. I cannot remember his first name. Is, is it? No, I'm not going to. Yeah, I think it's David. Anyway, it's, it's Hester. Will Hester is his son. I know his son, Will Hester. But I think it's his daddy's David. He's in the Bible department at Faulkner University, I believe. His doctoral thesis, I believe it was his doctoral thesis, um, but he, he, makes a, he makes a scholarly and academic case of the authenticity of and genuineness of 16, 9 through 20 of the book of Mark. All right. Acts chapter 20. And, and listen, why am I focused on baptism so much? Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 20. When you hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither, and our God will fight for us. The length of the wall was much. The people who, who, who could defend were few, and the enemies of the Lord were too many. So they couldn't man the wall in its entirety. So Nehemiah come up with maybe by divine revelation or just he was a smart fella. Hey, listen, we're going to have this system. Whenever, whenever the enemy comes to attack, Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, go there. We don't defend where we're not attacked. We are attacked. We are attacked the most at the point of baptism. Nobody that I know of would say that you don't have to repent in order to be saved. Nobody that I know of would say that you don't have to believe in order to be saved. Nobody that I know of, no serious Bible student would say that you don't have to confess in order to be saved, but so, 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 so many say that you don't have to be baptized, that you don't have to be baptized, that you don't have to be baptized in order to be saved. So that's why we're talking about baptism. It's the culmination of your faith journey. You, you actually start a faith journey before you have faith in Christ. So you're on this faith journey, and the point at which you are removed from the power of darkness and your faith is now located in the boundaries of Christ folks that's baptism Acts 22 16 recounts the words of Ananias to Saul and why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins calling on the name of the Lord baptism is shown as the means through which sins are washed away reinforcing its role as an obedient act in the process of salvation, folks, it's undeniable if you only read the Bible. In order to miss the necessity of baptism, you got to bring in extra biblical text. All right. Now, let's switch gears. What if you think that baptism only saves you? I, you know, I wrote an article for, for, for the platform not too long ago about faith alone. There is nothing alone that saves. If I sit on the couch and I say, I'm just going to trust in the finished work of the cross, and I sit there and I don't do anything and I die on that couch, I will spend an eternity in hell. We're, we're saved by grace through faith. All right. And not and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. How then do we reconcile obedience based salvation with this message of grace? Because we know intuitively that if somebody gives us something as a free gift, 
at the very least, we have to reach out and take it. The key to understanding Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 lies in understanding the relationship between faith and obedience. Obedience is a natural outgrowth of genuine faith. While it's by grace that we are saved, that grace leads to a life transformed by faith marked by obedience. In other words, acts like baptism aren't works in the sense that they earn salvation, but they are response to the grace freely given. And the works, baptism in this case, are the way the grace is accessed. So the way I've conceptualized this is I have to travel through the corridor of faith. The mode by which I make my journey is obedience. And I come out the other side in grace, in a saved state. So let's talk about this harmonious understanding and conclude the article and depending on the comments, the podcast, with this final thought. The concept of salvation through obedience does not contradict the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith. Obedience, when understood as the active demonstration of faith, serves to confirm and complete our faith. And I didn't put a scripture reference. It's James 2, folks. It's James chapter 2. So it doesn't replace works. Our obedient works do not replace nor compete with grace. The Bible presents a harmonious understanding of salvation where grace initiates faith. He loved, excuse me, we love him because he first loved us. How did he first love us? How did he first love us? <laughs> How did he first love us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Our response to that grace and what we learn from that grace is obedience to that wonderful, beautiful, and simple message. That's not in the article, by the way. I just thought I would wax an elephant or wax eloquent. The Bible presents a harmonious understanding of salvation where grace initiates, faith appropriates, and obedience demonstrates. Our obedience demonstrates the reality, folks, of our saved status. By keeping these biblical teachings in balanced perspective, one can appreciate the richness and complexity of God's plan of salvation. That's why I don't like hearing people say, well, you got to learn the plan of salvation. I do. What is the plan of salvation? Here, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. That's not God's plan of salvation. That's man's response to this overarching scheme of redemption that was first elucidated in Genesis. Terry Crook says, this is what some people preach on the trains. Do you want to be saved? Then just ask Jesus to come into your heart. Interestingly enough, Terry, uh, ecumenical preacher Paul Washer, he 
is totally opposed to the sinful, to this, huh? That's a Freudian slip. Uh, I was going to say the sinner's prayer, but I said the sinful prayer. <laughs> he is totally opposed to the sinner's prayer. Now, for different reasons than you or I would be opposed to it, but he, he makes the same argument you do. It's nowhere in the Bible. And it's correct. There is nowhere one time even a scintilla of a hint that a person who is in a damned state is asked to pray in order to get in, or is instructed to pray in order to be moved from damned to saved. It always is the point of baptism. And I think of Acts chapter 26, 20. Uh, repentance towards God. Well, hold on a second. That's not that's the wrong verse. Oh, man. Let me get my Bible. Acts 26. Where did he go? 26. 20. But showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles. And here's what Paul showed them and taught them that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Folks, the baptism is the turning to God. The baptism is the point of, 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 of true change. I change my mind in repentance. I turn to God in baptism. And I live a faithful life in Christ after my baptism by doing works meet for my repentance. And again, yeah, I, I'm with you, John. Um, to me, the step sounds like a checklist as if I'm earning something. I prefer the whole of salvation. And, and that's the thing. The, um, and he, he, but again, I, I don't care what you call them. I do not like the hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. I understand that you're not going to obey the gospel if you don't hear the good news. That's Romans chapter 10. And how shall they hear without a preacher? In its context, though, that's not our mail because we can read the Bible and we can, we can understand it that way. But you're not going to obey the gospel unless you believe. You're not going to repent unless you believe and, and you've heard. And you're not going to confess Jesus unless you've heard and believed and repented. And you're not going to be baptized. Do you see what I'm saying? But I think the problem I have is, just like you said, it's a checklist if we don't watch it. But I stole a meme off of Facebook, and the way the meme was laid out, it looks like we're teaching a logical absurdity. In other words, we're violating the laws of the excluded middle. Bat, uh, belief is not a is not a is not a step that gets you closer to salvation. Here, belief, repent, confess, and be baptized is a process that moves you one step from damned to saved. So I don't like the concept of steps. Um. Ted Knight, we change our hearts by faith. We change our life through repentance and we change our relationship with God through baptism. It's that simple. That sounds like a sermon. That sounds like a three point sermon, Ted. 
Hey, when, when's the last time you preached that? <laughs> I'm so, yeah, we change our hearts by faith. We change our life through repentance, and we change our relationship with God through baptism. And and I would I would say, Acts twenty six twenty. Repent, turn to God, bring forth fruit, meet for repentance. Boom. Yeah, that's good stuff. We we change our hearts through faith. We change our life through repentance. We change our relationship to God or with God through baptism. It's that simple. Yeah. And and speaking of simple, um, my study of reform theology and Calvinism to write the articles that I wrote for Barry O'Dell and the Fulton County Gospel Journal, which I recommend to everybody to go to the Mammoth Spring Church of Christ website and sign up to have the Fulton County Gospel Journal delivered through your email. Um, my suggestion, my suggestion, well, I, I, my, my, my train of thought derailed. Oh, yeah, I already said the suggestion. Go to Mammoth Spring Church of Christ. Um, the, the, what I learned about Reformed theology and Calvinism in studying for the articles that I wrote for Barry in the Fulton County Gospel Journal, is that some of these quote-unquote schemes of redemption that man comes up with is so absolutely convoluted and multi-layered and nuanced and difficult to understand, you have to have extra biblical help. You will never draw the conclusion that Reformed theology or Calvinism is correct and God's sovereign over all, regardless of human free will and free moral agency, if you only read the Bible, you have to have the writings of Augustine or uh, well John Calvin or some of these others. You have to read in modernity R.C. Sproul, Paul Washer. You have to listen to people like Vody Balcom. If you and, and it and it brings me to um, bring. It's a Bible podcast. Let's bring some of the Bible into it. How about it? Um, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11. Listen to this. Talk about simple, all right? Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the, listen to it, simplicity that is in Christ. Now that word simplicity is more than just simplicity as we understand it in the English language today. I love stuff like this. It just it just tickles my it just tickles my little scholarly academic brain cell that I that I have. Um, where is this verse? Simplicity, verse three. Um, this word I'm on my trusty rusty e sword. This word is panugria. All right, and. Its root word, no, no, not its root word, word is root word. Yeah, a related word by Thayer's or Strong's, 
Um, let me make sure I'm, I'm saying this correctly is, uh, Ergon and we are going to go to the book of Matthew six. Now lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single. All right. Hapalus. Where, where have I gone here? The ergon is not what I'm looking for. Um, if thine eye be single, the whole body is full of light. All right. Now let me go back to second Corinthians. This is what I get for doing things on the fly. 11, three. And let me look at that word. Simplicity. Oh yeah. I, I did the wrong word. Simplicity. Hapalotes. These words are cognates. If thine eyes be single, the word single, the Greek word for single, is a cognate of the word in first in Second Corinthians eleven three for um uh uh, bu- 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 uh simplicity. Basically, what Paul was concerned with is that influences would come in in Corinth and cause them to be double-minded. It would pull their focus away from Christ and onto these preeminent apostles. Just like in, my, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break in and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break in and steal. The light of the body is the eye. If your eye be single, focused on one thing, Folks, that's heaven. If you want to know and you want to simplify and you want to boil it down to where it's easy to digest, the scheme of redemption, God's plan of salvation, pull a Colossians chapter 2. Look at the cross. Everything's there. Blood and water ran from the cross. It takes blood and water to save us. The form of baptism is in the cross. Jesus died. When you repent, you put that old man of sin to death. And we got to bury dead people. So we put you in the grave. It's a watery grave. But don't worry. We're not going to leave you there. Just like God didn't leave his son in Sheol, we're not going to leave you in the watery grave. You're raised up, and then you begin to walk a new life. Oof. It's simple. Focus on it. Don't let anything pull your focus away is the idea. Pardon me for being so blunt with this, but I remember these hats that used to be in this K-I-S-S, and some people have a problem with me using the word stupid, but in this case, I'm going to use it. Keep it simple, stupid. Now, why do I say that? Because I'm the stupid one. I'm the one that needs it simple. Hey, Tony, are you going to heaven when you, when, you, when you die? Are you going to heaven when Jesus comes back? Yes, I am. Well, how do you really know? I mean, can, no, no, no. I obeyed the gospel. I gave my life to Christ. I was buried with him in baptism. I'm raised again to walk in newness of life, and I'm faithful. I'm walking in the light as he is in the light. It's that simple. I don't have to know anything else. Understand what I mean by that. Don't, don't read into that statement a virtue signal of ignorance, but But my point is, I can know for a shadow of a doubt that when Jesus returns, 
because I'm an obedient child of God that I will either be snatched up and meet him in the air or I will rise up out of my grave and go up and meet him in the air. One of the two. That's 1 Thessalonians 4. And it, again, simple, simple, simple. That, 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 um, well, where's it at now? We had some comments that I haven't read. Thank you for all the comments, by the way. Where is, yeah, that one right there. Yeah, that, that's a three-point sermon. Just keep it simple. Just keep it simple. And John Exum, yeah, stupid is in the Bible. <laughs> uh, what, what's, um, oh, Jonathan Edwards, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. We had to read that in school. I don't know if, I don't know if kids had to read that in school anymore or not, but we had to read it in school. And, uh, yeah, it was rough. Hello, Mike Austin. It's good to see you. And, uh, John Exum says, I also recommend to contact MSOP to get the Ted J. Clark drive that has his articles for Fulton County Gospel Journal. Not sure, uh, not sure if you saw this comment on YouTube. I may have, but I may not have. Uh, John Trone, good morning, Tony. Been listening to you on Spotify for a while now. Finally managed to catch you live as a young man of God, 22 years old. You have been a great resource to, um, whoops, hold on. You've been a great resource in deepening my faith. That is a very humbling comment, John. Wow. Thank you. And uh, I want to thank you for everything you and your wife have done for my family. God bless. Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, John, that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a, that's a good comment there. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. I say it's a good comment. You didn't comment anything. You just copied and pasted the Bible. <laughs> you copy and paste the Bible. You think you're smart. You think uh, y'all, Jonathan and I have sat and eat supper together. We have spent time together. This is gentle ribbing. John, I, I love Jonathan and respect him greatly. I'm just picking on him. Uh, but yeah, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But he who hates correction, surely that's not what that says in the New King James. Are you playing with me? Did you, did you change that? Surely not. Hold on a second. Hold on, Jonathan. Proverbs 12.1. I got a New King James here. Jonathan, it's in there. My world has changed. <laughs> My world has changed. What in the world? What uh, what is it? What does it say in the? What's it say in the? All right, rusty, trusty, rusty e sword for the King James version. Because I don't have a, a full copy of the scriptures on my desk at the moment. Proverbs 12, 1. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the King James says brutish. It means stupidity. <laughs> it's also used in 7332 of, of the book of Psalms. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was a beast before thee. 
All right, seventy three thirty two. Let's see what the King. Let's see what the New King James says. Psalm seventy three thirty two. I'm going to write an article, and I'm going to tell people don't ever don't ever call me ungodly for using the word stupid again. Seventy three twenty two. Because I use it exactly in this context, by the way. All right, 73, 32, or 22. I, I was so foolish and ignorant, I was like a beast before you. So the New King James doesn't use stupid in 73, 22. All right. Well, folks, I think, I think we, have, we, we have done all we can to prove our point. And if we didn't prove our point, I really hope that we have at least given you something that's, that's caused you to rethink the simplicity of this position that obedience saving us is, is, is contrary to grace saving us. These, these two things are not at war with one another. They complement one another. You cannot be saved without obedience, period. But you also cannot be saved by grace, period, alone, you know. I, I say this a lot. I, if, uh, we are saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. It's not of works. I can say that with no mitigation, no explanation, no walking it back, no hedging. And I can also say obedience saves us with no mitigation or walking it back or anything like that. All right. Um, Ted Hook Knight. Awesome. Thank you, John Exum. Uh, yeah, thank you. John, you have won the MVP award for the podcast today. Um, <laughs> I'm just tickled pink. <laughs> oh, me. And John, John, uh, John Trome, thank you so much. You just, you made my day with that. Um, it reminds me that what we do here is important. It really does. Folks, I'm signing off. Remember, Aaron Dotson, as he walks every day, will every minute, every once in a while, take a one minute video. We put them right there on that platform. And for those of you that are listening to this, I'm pointing to, a uh, platform that that is focused on uh, 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 pictures and stuff like that. Um, that's not your normal platform, so not a lot, you know. But anyway, but we're on the other the other platforms here, and the reason I'm not saying anything is because I think face uh, I think um, I think you're downranked in the algorithm, and I think it helps our reach. I, I've been noticing since we have. Tried, tried to be conscientious and not mentioning what platforms we're on. We've been ticking upward a little bit in our reach and our interactions. So that's all I've got here, folks. God bless every one of you. This has been Tony Brew with Cogitations. Remember, like, subscribe, share, um, all of that good stuff. Don't forget, uh, let me go to the, don't forget to contact Dotson at gmail.com. If you want to have flyers and postcards and social media graphics and stuff like that for your upcoming event at the congregation where you are, she does a really good job. We used her up here at Riverview, and uh, a lot of people in Northeast Arkansas 
around the Jonesboro area user. And uh, yeah, she she does a good job. And that's all I've got here. God bless you. This has been Tony Birth Cogitations, and we'll catch you on the flip side.